This is Global Business Radio Talk Show on the air, coming to you today from Atlanta. Yes, there's a whole lot of shaking going on in the world of Brexit, immigration, convergence of technology with big data and control, compliances connected with immigration, employee mobility, business travel. Experts are Glenn Falk and Catherine Salem. They are the founders of Luminary Global. Together, they have over 35 years of experience helping U.S. companies with global immigration, sending American and foreign national employees on business or assignments to any country outside of the U.S. They both have served in senior management positions within the world's largest immigration firms. And both Glenn and Catherine have extensive experience managing Fortune 500 accounts with business travelers and assignees to over 75 countries. Glenn Falk and Catherine Salem hold the Certified Relocation Professional at CRP and the Senior Global Talent Mobility Designations from the Worldwide ERC, and both are Six Sigma Yellow Belts. Let's welcome Luminary Global's Glenn Falk and Catherine Salem. Hello, Glenn. Hi, Ed, and it is great to be back with you, and we are really honored to have this opportunity to talk about, Catherine and I, what we see significant change that's going to be happening on the international tax side and how that is going to touch within our industry, particularly the global mobility industry, and uh, focusing briefly on how visa and immigration compliance is going to be a part of that. At this time, I'd like to introduce my business partner and longtime colleague, Catherine Salem, so that she can start this off with uh, giving a short introduction as to Luminary and why we'd like to have a conversation on this topic. Hi, Ed, and thank you, Glenn. Uh, Ed, I appreciate you having us back on your Global Business News Radio program. A lot of changes since last time we spoke. We want to focus on the impact, uh, in particular, on international tax reporting schemes because that has a big influence on the world of global immigration. And just as a little background, with Luminary Global Immigration, we're a consulting business, and we specialize in corporate global non-U.S. immigration. And although Glenn and I are not considered global tax experts, we understand that the realm of tax, the same as with different sections of mobility, all impact and mold and are impacted by global immigration strategies, um, which include international corporate tax regulations. And we're going to be talking about what we think is happening now and coming up ahead with this new era of digital governance, if you will. But before we discuss what we think is coming up ahead for the future, I'd like to turn it back over to Glenn to give us a bit of a historical overview of how we have arrived at where we are now with global tax schemes. Tell us about multi-jurisdictional convergence of compliance <laughs> enforcement. Boy, that's, that's a mouthful. Tell us about it. Yes, it is. And, you know, just in, uh, for deference and respect to your listeners, it. Look, this this is 
a bit in the abstract right now. Actually, it really is in the abstract, more or less, because it's now being rolled out. It's kind of twofold. It's a, it's a, new, a new way of looking at multilateral taxation, not just bilateral taxation between, let's say, the U.S. and the United Kingdom or the U.S. and Brazil and vice versa, Brazil to France, that sort of thing. And it's also multi-jurisdictional reporting that these new schemes are you know, being facilitated by and through technology where the collection and the curation of data about companies and even individuals not only is going to be more readily accessible to domestic regulatory authorities, local regulatory authorities, but that these platforms are going to allow multiple jurisdictions, their regulatory authorities, to actually converse and compare notes on multinational companies. I want to just to stress something. The big player right now is the OECD, which is the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development. The OECD is comprised of well over 140 countries, and particularly the G20, which is the top 20 countries, where Over the past decade, what we've seen is governments have experienced what they call base erosion, which means that the tax base, that uh, the monies that many governments receive in revenue from corporations that are headquartered in their companies or doing business in their countries, that tax base has eroded. And how that has happened is that over the past, you know, particularly 10 years with the rise of, you know, d- the digital economy, that more companies have been taking advantage of shifting their profits to jurisdictions that have a lower standard corporate tax rate. So there's a confluence, as you've said, of what's happening here. Countries that are members of the OECD have come together and over the past decade, and particularly after the 2008 financial crisis, have realized there is profit that is basically being either generated in multiple jurisdictions where these companies are doing business and or also for the country base of operation for these companies, that profit is not being repatriated back to the home country and being taxed. So we as the OECD, as a multi-jurisdictional you know, organization for economic interest, the tax component now is going to move from countries now are going to move to readily sharing information and providing information to other jurisdictions so that it helps everyone to collect tax, whether that tax is going to be value generated in a particular country by and through, let's say, sales of products and services, or is that tax actually going to be accurately reported in the country of base operation or the headquarters company to that jurisdiction's tax authority. So from our understanding, and this is, you know, an understanding from international lawyers all the way through to tax advisors is for about the first time in 100 years, believe it or not, you know, since the League of Nations in the 1920s, this is a big change. International tax law is now more or less centered on about 3,800 tax treaties, and it's now a matter of progressing more towards a multilateral tax regime, and that means it's going to mean changes for how companies are going to operate, do business, as well as how they're going to actually place and locate their talent. Catherine, tell us what's happening from your client's point of view in Dallas. 
Well, some of the things that we've seen, certainly as Glenn describes, we're, we're seeing as the background for all of this that governments are having uh, this data sharing is multilateral, multi-jurisdictional. Things are getting more complex. So the solutions are having to respond to that complexity and that level of uncertainty. What we're seeing is that businesses are starting to take a more proactive approach with their global business strategies, which is a wonderful thing. Last time we spoke, we were talking about the competitive advantage of compliance and you know, hoping to move up that consideration of compliance concerns, and we are starting to see more of that. We're seeing where companies are looking at different strategies and implementing different strategies. We had a client contact us recently to give us some updates on their situation. Worked with them last year. They're uh, a growing tech company in the United States, and they were looking at international expansion options. They had contacted us for an immediate need that they had to a certain country, but then you know, we strategized them as far as other options that they might have going down the road you know, considering that their business was growing so quickly. Well, fast forward a year, we've had a lot of changes, you know, happening since that time, and their strategy has had to change as well. And so that's what's interesting to see, I think, with clients and, uh, you know, something that global businesses do need to look at is compliance obviously does need to be thought of in the context of global business decisions, more fluid strategies, and needing to take a more proactive approach with a compliance program so that it's no longer an afterthought. Let's just circle back for a second here, and let's just talk about the issue at hand. Governments, starting in Europe, governments, and I suppose even the U.S., governments need tax revenue, and they're going after big companies. Isn't that correct? Maybe rather than saying going after, I guess, and, you know, of course, this could be a semantic situation. But the key thing to understand, in our opinion, in Luminary's opinion, again, we're not, we do want to stress, we're looking at it from the talent side as well as from a business operation side, is that the digitization of the economy, the ability to actually create revenue, record profit, move money, all of that has changed drastically over the 10 years, and past 10 years. And what we're seeing is now is governments, the catalyst was the 2008 financial crash. Governments looked around and realized not only are we going to have to try and keep running our countries, but from what revenues are we going to run it from if companies have very rightfully said, look, under current bilateral tax treaties that we may have and the way that international business laws, international tax laws allow us to create corporate entities where as far as from maximizing our profitability, we can actually place profits derived from multi-jurisdictional business. We can actually place those profits in lower corporate tax rate. Well, now governments are saying, look, the reason why we did this was because we wanted to avoid double taxation for you. We want to promote you, you know, let's say company A that's been doing business in the United States for the past 100 years. Yes, we do want you to grow out in the world and provide services and goods to the greater world and to make money from that. And what we want to do in the spirit of that is, is we don't want you to get hit with double taxation. So it's going to 
in the spirit of this, that's where we have gone with double taxation is between these two countries. Yes, make your money, but someone's going to get the tax from this sale or this service or you providing intellectual property in the market. But because companies have been able to say, well, we've made the sale, but we're going to move the profit to, let's say, maybe an unrelated entity for the sake of minimizing our tax hit, now what you're seeing is countries are saying that's not quite fair. The spirit of to, was to avoid double taxation, but now we're in a spirit of double tax avoidance, if you will, that there's no tax being paid effectively on these transactions. So it's a matter of now governments using technology and that they are also going to proactively come together and cooperate with each other where they're going to say, if you're going to do business in the post-global economy, and we're saying post-global because we've moved past this initial phase of going global over the past 20 years, great. But that means that the same technology you're going to use, we're going to use as well so that we ensure wherever revenue or profit is generated, somehow, some way that's going to be recorded accurately and in some ways seamlessly and automatically. And at the same time, we as market countries are going to help one another's tax authorities to make sure that somehow, some way, there's going to be appropriate tax collected from these revenues. That's where with the talent situation is, that is where it can be a company's greatest asset and it could be a company's greatest risk because mobile talent means you have individuals who are executing contracts, performing services, that sort of thing, where countries are now going to have much greater hold and ability to monitor how long are they here and what are they doing and why are you actually performing business here. This is for both Catherine and yourself. Let's just say I'm a salesman working for a Fortune 500 company, and giving me the American Express card and go book a flight and go to uh, Switzerland, go to Prague, go to Moscow, go to Amsterdam, go to Frankfurt, go to Istanbul and Tel Aviv, and Dubai, New Delhi, and come back with the business. Now, um, what will happen to me when I go across borders. Will the immigration authorities retain me because my company hasn't figured out how to allocate things? I don't even know what to call it, money or things, mm-hmm. processes to which account and which country. Oftentimes there's multiple business entities operating mm-hmm. specifically within certain boundaries. So, I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. like it's a mess. Okay. Well, first of all, this is a workforce strategy question. And what that means is for us, for Luminary, when we do have these discussions and have had these discussions is this. First and foremost, where compliance for us right now is, and this is very important for your listeners to conceptualize, is governments around the world, the United States particularly, whether you're talking about the Department of Justice or the Department of Treasury or the IRS, the take right now by government is if you as a company are doing business, it is your responsibility as a company to understand what your risk profile looks like. And if you as a company are going to conduct business internationally outside the borders of your country base of operations, 
And it's also your responsibility to understand how the conducting of that international business is going to be reported back to us, the home country, let's say the U.S. And you also, as uh, as 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 a, an employer and as a, you know a business operator in other countries, you have to meet their jurisdictional requirements. So flipping that back to your question from a workforce strategy perspective, there's it's a layered approach here. It's a matter of understanding what, let's say, for instance, with BEPS. Okay, BEPS has 15 action plans, and within those action plans, one of them, for instance, to your point about all this business travel is permanent establishment. Permanent establishment, I'm not going to go too deeply into it, but just kind of at a core, it's either going to be like a fixed place of business, like an office that you have in another country, or it could be employees themselves by and through what they do in another country that can create a permanent establishment in another country. So if you're talking about, for instance, traveling in the European Union or, well, or in, in Switzerland, then from a workforce strategy, it's a matter of saying, okay, we want to send Glenn as a business visitor to these locations and in doing so, first up, let's say, would be Switzerland. Well, it's a matter for us as global immigration compliance specialists to say Switzerland has some touch points with the European Union as far as there's kind of a bleed over in immigration policy about reciprocal ability to travel and that sort of thing. And at the same time, Switzerland has their own national requirements about you can only be in Switzerland for this amount of time. And if you're here for more than that amount of time doing this activity, you could, in fact, be required to have a work permit. And by virtue of now having to get a work permit, if you're there for even 10 days, then in Switzerland, having to get a work permit could create a touch point where, but if we have to do this in order to meet the immigration compliance, are we now, in effect, starting this chain of, but this could be a permanent establishment where now we're going to have to involve the company's tax advisors to say, if these activities are being done for this amount of time in this specific country, then what would that mean as far as potentially creating a permanent establishment by and through that employee, regardless if, you're, if your client company doesn't have operations in Switzerland? So then it's a matter of having that conversation as we go forward in other jurisdictions. But the important thing to remember is, and the European Union is a good example, the European Union is, in fact, very much promoting the exchange of information between individual European Union countries so that as one travels throughout a region even, you could have more of a regional risk of being detained in a certain country because that country could come back and say, you've been to Switzerland, you've been to France, you've been to Germany, and now you're here for this amount of time within what's called the Schengen area. And we really do need to understand why you're here consecutively or for a long duration performing what you consider to be business. What exactly are you considering to be business? To summarize, I think when you're, when you're looking at the overlap of visa and immigration tax and other compliance issues, if you're talking about um, international business travel or um, any, any kind of business or work activities done abroad, you're basically going to be looking at several variables, and it's to simplify it, you're going to be looking at the destination countries and their applicable laws. You're going to be looking at your corporate profiles for the home and 
host countries. You're going to be look at, looking at the profile of your talent. Um, so in other words, looking at their nationalities, for example, the activities performed, their compensation, and their duration of stay, so their travel history in and out of those countries. And those are just kind of on a simple level. That's, those are the kind of variables you're going to be looking at when you're making these kind of assessments of what is the best talent strategy. KPIs, key performance indicators for companies mm -hmm seeking global mobility suppliers for managing talent, looking ahead. So multinationals or just, I guess, any company doing business in multi-countries, they have a great opportunity, of course, for uh, sales as well as local talent development and brand expansion. But apparently they need to understand duty of care, um, meaning – it's becoming what the company's responsibility to identify people on the move and identify to the governments that there's about to be a tax liability. <laughs> I mean, what is going on here? Right. So if we're looking at KPIs, at key performance indicators for companies that owe this duty of care and that need to stay on top of their compliance, what they're going to be needing to consider along with their KPIs for any global suppliers that they're using, they're going to need to focus on compliance, but also strategy. So basically strategy and compliance, making sure that it's timely and accurate. Um, they're going to need to look at the experience, the you know, brains of people helping um, both in their internal teams and externally with experience in working in these different areas and hopefully with some integration of different areas of tax, immigration, mobility, et cetera. Um, and having a highly functioning suite of technology uh, and tools and resources to help with, for example, those you know, business traveler tracking tools are a great resource and there's others that are out there to help with data analytics and making some of these strategic decisions. And something else that actually with doing that kind of analysis, with having this strategic compliance approach, it's sometimes a good idea to diversify or separate the, the team members who are providing some of that strategy and compliance advice from those who are responsible for perhaps executing the um, accounting functions or the work permit applications. Um, just keeping that separate is probably uh, best practice as well. Yeah, and then I think also as far as KPIs, uh, we could be looking at also wanting suppliers and the team to be flexible and able to deal with a change of strategy, to be able to look at all of the complexity and come up with quickly and accurately come up with the best solutions that also keep in mind the business drivers. It's important to kind of realize, I guess, the opposite backlash, if you will, for all of this regulation and globalized data sharing. Obviously, we're seeing there's a different camp that they aren't so keen on the idea of sharing the data and heavy regulations. We're seeing that now with our current administration and for good reason because it's very difficult to compete on a global scale with business when you have a lot of regulations and, you know, especially when you've got different countries following different levels of regulations. So with that being said, it may be a very different strategy from country to country on what's the best approach. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And that is with particularly if we're talking about something like BEPS, again, as of right now, the rolling out of these technologies, these, you know, more or less requirements and guidance and country standards, that sort of thing, that's something that we want to stress here is this. Where we are right now in 2017, all of this has been going on in the background for easily the past probably five years as far as countries coming together and coming up with common reporting standards, action points, that sort of thing. Now it's a matter of migrating to, okay, now we're about to go live with this. Starting even in 2017, we're going to start asking, for instance, banks, financial institutions to start you know, automatic reporting to tax authorities in certain countries about 2016 fiscal years for, for companies. And basically, we're going forward now with starting to try all of this out. So over the next two to three years, and it's important because Catherine is very accurate about this, we're going to have to see how individual countries who said, yes, we want to sign up for all this and share all of this, we actually are going to see now the proof of the pudding starting in 2018 with, okay, fine. If you have e-visas and visas on arrivals where all of that's electronically applied for and that immigration benefit is actually given over a database, how and when that data is shared from the immigration authorities to the tax authorities or tax authorities is, you know, sharing information about, you know, tax on uh, business visitors, for instance. All of this is still very much in the nascent beginnings here. So it's going to be up to countries to, for them as their, as a sovereignty to say, sure, we're going to go all in with this or well, you know what, actually, we're kind of finding that if we do this, and it's really going to affect, you know, our businesses here and how they do business, so maybe we'll do half. This is all going to be very, very organic over the next two to three years easily. And so that is where, as far as a KPI for, you know, for global mobility suppliers and in doing workforce strategies, there is going to have to be keeping up with the regulatory changes, and at the same time, working with your suppliers to build in enough flexibility where if something changes on a dime, then there's going to be a proactive plan in place that it can meet the business operation needs, but there's also going to be still a reasonable approach to, but we are trying to comply not only in our home jurisdiction, but these jurisdictions where we do business. So that for, for suppliers really is, company, client companies and suppliers alike, we all are about to enter a new era where it's going to be up to the countries themselves, it's going to be up to the regulatory authorities as far as putting forward what all this means when we start doing it, and there's going to be a matter of suppliers and clients alike trying right now, like we're doing right now, is start having an educated conversation about these potentialities. And then as we go forward, when things actually start getting executed, then it's a matter of looking at, okay, well, how do we need to react now that this country is doing X, Y, and Z and sharing X, Y, and Z with the HQ country? We've been learning from and speaking with Glenn Falk and Catherine Salem, founders of Luminary Global. Glenn is based in Atlanta and Catherine in Dallas. And there's Luminary Global Immigration, LLC. The website is luminary.global. Is that correct? That's right. So once again, you are not 
tax professionals, you're a consultancy focusing in on global business and U.S. companies with global immigration outside of the U.S. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And we're also looking at the changing landscape, and we've had, along with learning and reviewing and keeping up with all of the areas that also impact and are impacted by global immigration, we ourselves, you know, are just like our clients. We're looking at our own business model and trying to, you know, look at what's next in the future. We have just a couple of minutes left, and so I just want to, if I can, ask you for some quick words about global mobility supplier for managing talent in the future. Insofar as assessing that, it's going back to what uh, Catherine brought up earlier about one of our own clients. A year ago, one of our own clients, you wanted to look very closely at international expansion, going into other countries with the potential of, okay, in these countries, for instance, you have to be a registered sponsor. You have to qualify as a company to actually sponsor foreign talent. So in doing so, it was a matter of getting those compliance drivers in place. And then it was also a matter of as far as business operations, if you're choosing to go abroad out of the United States, then with immigration compliance, there's also these ancillary touch points. Here we are with tax revenue authorities. You need to have a revenue number. The employee, him or herself, you know, their personal tax identification may be a part of the equation as far as actually getting work authorization. So first of all, for a company to look at itself, that's where governments are saying, you as a company need to understand specifically what it is you're wanting to do domestically, as well as if you want to go abroad. So now here we are 12 months later, now the client is coming back to say, you know what, look, we may in fact actually not push as much for, quote, sending employees abroad, but we would be looking at actually onshoring our operations and actually providing services from the United States remotely, if you will. And that's going to be a different paradigm from what it was a year ago, because insofar as looking at us as a supplier, and this is a very honest conversation that suppliers and their clients or companies need to have is, where are we actually going to give the best value to one another? And that is through a candid conversation. For the client that we have, it may be an entirely different conversation to say, well, now you need to explain to us very clearly you're saying you want to perform services for clients abroad, but you don't want to actually send someone from the United States to go do it. Is that correct, yes or no? Depending on yes or no answers, that's where we as a global immigration consulting company is through this question and answering, it's an assessment where are we really adding value to what this new paradigm for the company is? And if not, in all fairness, here are some things that you, know, you can use as a jumping-off point if you need to talk to your international tax advisors. But the important thing is, is that we as a global immigration supplier, it's, it's as far as companies looking at who's going to be best to use, I do think, honestly, that in the world we're in today is that there has to be not only true expertise in the specific area, but it's also uh, suppliers' understanding 
where is the where are the touch points that what I do, how does that affect what other compliance areas of a global mobility program, how will what I do affect what they do, and ultimately together, suppliers across the board, how do we actually make sure that the company as a whole is is meeting various points of compliance? Uh, Catherine? Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said. Um, I think also, you know, as far as looking at suppliers as well as in-house within corporations and their own teams, I think it's important to have a diversification of suppliers, but also a diversification of expertise, and not just the diversification and integration of different areas of global business knowledge, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, coming together with tax and mobility and immigration expertise. I think it is going to be important for all of us to stay on top of not only our own area of specialization, but other areas as well uh, that, you know, those other touch points, as, as Glenn mentioned, understanding technology and the different capabilities of different applications that are out there, understanding how to effectively analyze data and to do so in order to formulate intelligent business decisions. Things are changing rapidly. It wasn't long ago that people were not talking about data analytics with global mobility and immigration, and now it's considered the norm. I think the challenge now, though, is going to be being able to keep up with all of the moving parts, all of the moving data that changes so quickly in order to be able to formulate strategic and fast and compliant business decisions that aren't based on obsolete data by the time they're executed. I think that's the challenge we're looking at right now is not just integration of, of different areas coming together to formulate business decisions, but can those moving parts keep up? Can we keep up with all of, all of the data and all the changes that are going on? I think those are the challenges that we're facing right now and that we're going to have going forward. Thank you so much. Catherine Salem, Managing Director, Luminary Global Immigration, based in Dallas. Phone 682-521-7073. And Mr. Glenn Falk in Atlanta. Phone 404-775-5739. Thank you, Glenn, and thank you, Catherine, for an MBA here. And obviously, you guys are go-to authorities and consultants for companies needing this kind of advice. I thank you for being our guest on Global Radio Talk Show today, uh, May 16, 2017. And I welcome you guys to come back and give us an update. It's certainly going to be needed. Thank you right. so much, Ed. Ed. thanks. Thank you. And this is Ed Cohen signing off. GlobalRadioTalkShow.com. Hey!